that, that's fine too. Amen. I'm glad to be in Porter this evening. I am sorry I'm late, but I have a reason. I didn't start soon enough. <laughs> it was further, further than I thought it was, and thank God I didn't get a ticket. Amen. I want to give honor to the elder, our, our elder. Amen. I, uh, you know, the king of kings, he's got to have, he's king over all these little kings. And he's lord of lords, he's lord all these, over all these little lords. And then sometimes you've got to have a pastor that sometimes all these little pastors can look to. And that's where Brother Green comes in. And uh, thank God for Brother Green. Amen. And I'm glad to see one of our men here, Brother Aldrich. I didn't know. I'm glad to see you, Brother Brandon. Glad you're here. And uh, he told me he'd been coming on Wednesday night uh, from time to time. He's uh, working way down south in, in South Houston. And, uh, and don't, tell, don't tell anybody else I said this. But he's wanting to know where to go in Houston, and I, I, I'm just going to be honest. There's just about one place to go, and so I told him, and don't tell nobody else that. But um, just got to be honest. I'm glad to see Brother Calhoun, and uh, yeah, and I'm glad Brother Brother Lawler's with me. And uh, I want you to stand. I know you didn't bring your Bible, but I. I want to read today. It's a very simple. I think that's what I'm here for. Uh, talk a little bit. And uh, you know, if we was a bunch of black brethren here tonight, today we'd have a lot of fun. And people would be smiling and they'd be saying amen. I don't know why us white folk take everything so serious and so sober. Uh, I don't know why, but it's that way. Acts chapter 3. Uh, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the sixth or the ninth hour, which was three o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame, I want you to remember that word, lame from his mother's womb was carried. Carried. They had to carry this lame man, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them, that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. He gave heed to them, expecting to receive something of them. Then said Peter, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And verse number 11, And as the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John on and on. You may be seated. Praise God. I want to talk a little bit to this to this group of men that are so blessed to have not only a good church, but um, a great pastor 
and brings in some of the best ministers in the whole world. I want to talk to men tonight. You know, God never intended for this to be carried, women to carry the load in a church. And when you go to a, a church and women carry the load, they got an effeminate spirit about them. And they just don't have any men there. They got a lot of males, but no men. And so I want to talk today about uh, the lame man. The lame man. Now, this is so uh, elementary. It's so, uh, I remember Brother Calhoun preached from this uh, at our place and did such a tremendous job. But uh, I thought about this lame man. Uh, what time am I supposed to stop? Just when I finish. All right. Uh, I may finish soon. Uh, uh, the Bible said he was laid at a beautiful gate. A gate so beautiful, they just called it beautiful. He lived in the promised land, which was the land of Palestine, but he had a very, very difficult situation. He had a very uh, difficult life, and his life, uh, because it was difficult, it made his family's life difficult. Now, the Bible said that uh, when he was healed, his ankles and his feet received strength. That's all that really happened. Uh, not a creative miracle at all. Uh, he stands at the front door of the book of Acts. And this is a notable miracle. And this is probably one of the greatest harvests in the whole, whole New Testament. In fact, 5,000 men. That's far superseding what happened on the day of Pentecost. And the historians say that perhaps uh, for every man there may have been a woman that received the Holy Ghost and a child. So we have potential here of some 15 or 20,000 people that received the Holy Ghost in one day, one day's time. Uh, we're talking about something that is unprecedented in the rest of the whole Bible. We don't have anything to match this harvest in the rest of the book of Acts. The church would never be the same after this day. I mean, when you have one day and you've got 15, 10, let's just be conservative and say 5,000 new members. Uh, you've, got, you've, got, you've got all kind of difficulties with 5,000 new members. Uh, <laughs> it will never be the same. What caused this? What caused this? Uh, let, me, let, me, let me get to the meat of my little message. He was the lame man. Now, my message is this. He was a man that the Bible said was the lame man. He was the only lame man in the Bible. He was not the man with lame feet, nor with lame ankles. Somewhere in life, he became a lame man. From his birth, he had this problem. He was above 40 years of age. 
Somewhere in his life, this weakness, he had a weakness. And everything else about the man was, was right. He could clap his hands. He could, uh, he could say, praise the Lord. Uh, there was one problem with him, just one. He couldn't stand. He couldn't stand when he was by himself. And he couldn't stand when he was in a crowd. He only had one problem. To look at this man, he looked good. He was not the man with lame feet. No, no, the Bible talked about a man that had a withered arm, but he didn't call him the withered man. There were men in the Bible that had maladies and problems, but they weren't called by that. But this man, somewhere in his life, his lameness, his weakness permeates his entire being, his persona, his personality. After a while, this lame man's choices are lame. After a while, this lame man's decision-making apparatus is lame. After a while, his worship is lame. After a while, his prayers are lame. He becomes known as the lame man. There was another man in the Bible that had feet problem. His name was Mephibosheth. They dropped him. They dropped him. But, but I read uh, nine years later, Mephibosheth is still known as the man lame on both feet. Nineteen years later, I find where he's still the man lame on both. He never becomes a lame man. It's localized. He does not let his problem. He does not let his weakness. He does not let his... Now, lameness means weakness. That's what lameness means. As far as this little lesson is. I, I was praying this afternoon in, in, in the, the fellowship area there at our church, and somehow, I, I don't know why, I, there was a, a weeping spirit came on me, and, and I started crying for this service tonight. I, uh, I thought, tonight I am going to be talking to a lame man, a man that does not want to be lame. Uh, this problem was not a problem of whether he loved God or not. This problem was not a doctrine problem. This problem was not a problem with dressing right. This problem was a weakness. And this weakness he had caused him not to be able to stand. And he never could stand. And they'd try to prop him up and he'd fall. And others would prop him up and he'd fall. And one man said this, and always remember this. You always fall in the direction you're leaning. Whatever direction you're leaning right now, if you're leaning, you know, there's one way to stand upright. You know that. Only one way to stand upright. Hundreds of ways to fall. But only one way to stand upright. And when a man falls, always remember this. He's been leaning that way a long time. And when a man falls, he falls in the way that he's leaning. 
And if you were to look at this man, he looked good. Uh, he could sit there like you and I, uh, like I was and like you are now. Nobody ever would know that he had a problem. But when it come time to stand for what was right and stand for truth and for morality, and when it came time to stand for character and, and whatever was right, even when the pastor wasn't there, early in life they found out that he couldn't stand. He couldn't stand. And so they tried to stand him and he couldn't stand. Revival come by and, 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 and they tried to prop him up in revival, but when it was over he couldn't stand. And so I got to pray in here today. Uh, you, you know what I'm, I'm thinking tonight? I'm thinking that I am preaching to a man here tonight that's, that's a lame man, not a bad man, not a man that don't love God, not a man that don't love your pastor, not a man that don't love, but you just got a weakness and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried to stand and every time you try to stand, when, when it's all over, you find yourself, and, and they had to carry this man. You, you ever know, notice how you have to carry lame people? They have to carry you in prayer service. You, you, you don't, you, they have to carry you when it comes to worship. Somebody say amen. I've gone stone deep here tonight. What the old, old folks say, deep. I've gone deep. I'm not hearing many amens. <laughs> amen. So, somebody's just sort of leaning here a little bit. Well, straighten up. I got, I got a word for somebody here today. Amen. In one service, this man stood on his feet. In one service, this man received miracle enough to stand up, and he never stood up before. Oh, oh, oh. amen. And so don't, don't, don't get that long face any longer, okay? Let's uh, turn that here a minute, because uh, I'm going to tell you, in one church service this man stood up and brother when he stood when he stood the greatest revival in the book of acts happened when this one man stood when this one man stood you see he lived so close brother you talk about a beautiful situation he lived in the promised land and he lived right near the gate called beautiful but he couldn't go in you know why because he was lame and his lameness restricted him and his lameness caused him to miss so much of the joy. And so much, you know why? Because he was a lame man. It's not that he didn't believe in Trinity, no. It's not that he had a problem with any dress code in the church. You know what it was? He just had a weakness. He had a real weakness. And when he tried to stand that weakness, he had no support. He had no support. And I thought this evening I was crying, not, not to just tell you that, that I am emotional, but something hit me today. There is a lame man that I'm talking to today that you don't know the potential that you have that when God heals your lameness, who and how many is going to be affected because they know that you've been lame. But when, when you get this lameness healed, 
He was a lame man. He had been lame for 40 years. He was going to be lame the rest of his life. He had a problem. But two men of God came by. Not only did they have a word of God from him for him, but they had a reaching down hand, brother. The preachers were stronger than his weakness. And they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And then he said it in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And when this man hesitated, he just reached and got him and picked him up. I don't really know how to talk at something like this, except the way I do. And that's just the way I am. And I guess, I don't know what kind of banquet this is, but it's, it's just a lot like church to me. And uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know much poetry, uh, so uh, forget that stuff. Uh, I'm here to help somebody stand on your feet. Because when you stand on your feet, your family is blessed. That little wife, if she's here or, or in there, you see, because you can't stand on your feet, it affects everybody. Because you have no capacity to stand when, the, when, the, when it gets tough, brother. It, it, sometimes it takes a man to stand. I, I thought about this. I thought about it years ago. I, I preached about it. I, I feel like I want to say this tonight. D David, one time when he should have been in the battle, he saw a beautiful woman. Now, the Bible is sparingly when it comes to uh, superlatives and adjectives. Uh, that are descriptive, but the Bible said that Bathsheba was very beautiful. And uh, David saw her, and so what he did, he just sent and took her. Now, if you don't know, you think this is the first time that's happened. But what happened 20 years ago, David became lame because he started taking women to himself, wives, extra wives. Now the Bible said there's three things a king could not, should not multiply. When Israel, when you get a king, three things that you don't multiply. Number one, you don't multiply horses. Number two, you don't multiply silver and gold. Number three, you don't multiply wives. You just understand this, Daddy, what you do in moderation, your boy's going to do in excess. David David, uh, one of these he violated, he took multiple wives to himself. But his son named Solomon, he was so out of it till he multiplied horses. He became a broker for those in Egypt. And he filled the land of Palestine with horses. He made a, brother, he made a ton of money on horses. He, 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 filled, he filled Jerusalem to silver and gold, the Bible says, was as stones in, in Jerusalem. And then, oh God, did he, did he take to himself wives. Somewhere around a thousand altogether. Whatever you do in moderation, you just understand that that little boy of yours, what you're sneaking around doing. And I, I, I didn't come to say that, but this is what I come to say. I didn't come to say that. Uh, erase that, okay? 
This is what I'm saying, that David started something 20 years ago. He started taking liberties that, that was off limits and illegal for him. And now 20 years later, when he takes Bathsheba, it's just another, it's just another kind of a victory and exploit. And a, it's just another kind of a thing with him. But God says, uh-uh, 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 this is enough. This is enough. What I really wanted to tell you is this, and I want everybody to hear me. We've got some young men here today, and you may not be old enough to understand this, but if God tarries and lets you live, young man, there's an old man in you tonight. There's an old man in you. And you old men can say, or older men can say, man, we don't have any old men here. But when you don't take care of that old man in you, you pick up things when you're young. You get lame here. And you pick up habits. And you take liberties that you know you shouldn't, but it's going to be all right. An old preacher elder told me one time, he said, you know, when I was a young man, I got shot right here in the leg. And said that uh, the, the doctor told me, said, you know, said, you're young, said, you're going to overcome this now. But said, I'm going to tell you, the older you get, the more that's going to hurt you. The older you get, you're not going to be young forever. The older you get, the more that wound's going to hurt you. And he said, I don't wake up one morning in my life without putting that leg on the, putting that foot on the ground, said, I feel it. That it hurts me every day of my life. I'm not a prophet, but I'd like to tell somebody here today that there's some things being formed right now that if you don't get that lameness healed, if you don't get that lameness healed, it's going to affect your wife. It's going to affect your children. It's going to affect this church. It's going to affect everybody involved. Why don't we pray right now? How tonight? Why don't you pray with me right now, brethren? Somehow, some way. He said uh, he, he was the lame man. In fact, this thing so affected him till there was not one area of his life was not affected by his lameness. He was no longer the man with lame feet and lame ankles. You know, when you've got a twisted arm or you've got a problem, you, but when you become the, the lame man because of that arm, you know, something starts out physically and after a while it affects the spirit. And then something starts out physical. And because there's such a thin line, it begins to affect the spirit. Uh, I'm convinced that some sicknesses that, that some of us have is just nothing more than a result of our spiritual uh, stress and trauma and disorder all the time. 
And when you get that man, inner man, that inner man clean and that inner man right, it'll surprise you what, how the nerves settle down. You see, we look for better. This is, this is what the pastor needs in this church right now. We look for better machinery. We look for better methods. We look for better whatever it is, techniques, but God's only looking for better men. That's all he's looking for, just better men. He's not looking for a better way to do anything. He, all he wants is a better man. A better man. Amen. And I'm talking to men here right now. And when you pick this thing up in your youth, you say, but I can handle that. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us can tell you that you can't handle, you can't handle anything, son. Because I'm going to tell you, the older you get, the more that's going to bother you. You ever start a habit? I don't know why. I say this tonight, except anyhow, the preacher came by. Now, the hope for the lame man, the hope for the lame man is the preacher. The hope for the lame man is a preacher with a hand that can reach down and pull that man up. Amen. Pulled him up. And when he stood, when he stood, and the first time he didn't fall, I mean, the first time the revival closed and he just kept on clicking. I mean, for the first time. First time. But what we need is men with strong feet, strong ankle bones. It's got everything going for us, brethren. We just need to be able to stand. And when he stood, first thing he did was leap and walk and run. Brother, he just burst through that beautiful gate. He never went through that before. Uh, there's a man come up to me, a woman come up to me out in West Coast in Fontana. <coughs> she come up, are you Brother McMullen? I said, yes, I'm Brother McMullen. <coughs> you know, I, I used to have brother-in-laws that, that I was, they was my brother-in-law. Now it's turned around. Do you know Brother Copeland? I said, yeah. He said, he preached for us. And your work and your effort you put forth and all the people that took part in helping make this possible tonight, you're in for a very good meal as soon as you leave here. But we've had an excellent meal already, hadn't we? What? Well, McMullen, you reminded me of something while you was preaching and I don't think I've ever told the church this, but I think I need to right now. It's been about 35, 36 years ago. I uh, had a hunting accident when I was uh, uh, by myself about a mile away from my dad and my brother-in-law who had gone one direction, I had gone the other. And I, uh, I fell, I fell a long way and I broke my right leg in a deep, deep, deep gully. And uh, I uh, had to crawl up the side of that gully, and it was about 18 to 20 foot up there, straight up. I had to crawl with a broken leg, and, and my bone was protruding out of my skin, of my leg. And when I got to the top, 
I uh, was in a predicament. Wasn't nobody there to help me. And naturally, I asked the Lord to help me, but I began to work and fool with my leg, and I set my own leg, set the bone. And then I started back toward the car and using my shotgun that I had in my hand as a crutch. And I went back about a mile on a broken leg that I had set myself by the help of the Lord. They took me to the doctor and, and uh, x-rays was taken. And the doctor said, I don't need to reset this. It's set perfect. But I do need to put a cast on it. And I've been a cast for quite, quite a long time. I remember when I come out of the cast, when I got it off, and I had been walking on that, with that crippled leg for a long, long time. And um, when I got the cast off, I had a job at the uh, Louisiana Army Ammunition Plant, just this side of Menden, where I was a general superintendent of the plant at that time. We had to go into the area. I had to pass guard gates and um, inspections, kind of like when you go to an airplane, airport um, security check, because we were making uh, very confidential and secret things out there for the, uh, for the Army. And uh, every time I'd go through this, this particular check, we'd have uh, guards posted, and then there would be men and women guards, and then there was a lady that was always there who was a nurse. Her name was Miss Bussy. Miss Bussy was quite a lady. She, uh, she took her job very, very serious. Kind of reminds me of that nurse sitting right back there, come to think about it. About the same size and same color hair and, and uh, same attitude and everything. Just, most nurses are bossy, okay? <laughs> anyway, I, I remember as I would start into my area, and I'd have to pass this guard shack there and Miss Bussy would see me coming, and she'd always get out and speak to me. But she'd just point her finger at me and right in my face. Said, Mr. Green, you're going to quit limping. You're going to quit limping. You're going to quit limping. You're limping again. You're, 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 you're given to that limp. You're given to that limp. And every time I passed that place, she'd always say, Mr. Green, I noticed you're limping, and uh, you're going to have to stop that limping. If you don't stop it now, you'll limp the rest of your life. And, but it was easier to limp, to give in to the weakness that was there. Yeah. And it took a lot of effort. And it hurt to, uh, to straighten up and not limp. But I got to where I would limp when I was by myself, but when I was around Miss Bussy, I got to where I, I was walking straight. And uh, to the point that it was a long corridor I had to walk all the way up or down to get to where she was. And as time would go on, I'd always time myself and start talking to myself. All right, now, Miss Bussy is going to be right down there. And, and I call her Miss Fussy instead of Miss Bussy. And uh, she's going she's gonna to really get you. She's going to chew you out. And uh, sure enough, she would if, if she saw a limp. And so I got to where yards back before she could even see me. 
I'd make sure I wasn't limping. And I'd keep myself straight. And because that constant reminder that was constant, somebody was watching out for me. Somebody was taking care or showing a special interest in me. And because of her today, I don't limp from that anymore. I'm limping from old age now, maybe. But I, I don't limp from that broken leg. That's what preaching is all about. Amen. We're looking out for you. And if you hear a constant reminder, somebody said, I've already heard that before. So what? I'd heard it before too. Over and over and over and over again. But thank God somebody cared enough about me to keep on reminding me. Don't ever get mad at your preacher. Don't ever get mad at any preacher that's preaching you the truth. Hallelujah. And sometimes if it's not hurting, it don't help a whole lot. Praise God. Thank you so much, Brother McMullen. That was wonderful. My, 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 my. Brother Lawler, I enjoyed your songs very much. By and your wife's playing. I hate to disappoint you about the money deal. We didn't, you know, uh, we hadn't planned on nothing like that. It's just uh, he owes me anyway, you know. That's just every hair on his head cost me $5 at least, you know. I mean, I just, man, that man owes me. <laughs> well, Mike Mullen is my very, very good friend, brother and sister Mike Mullen. It's always a pleasure to be with them. But it's time to go eat. Is anybody ready for a good meal? Nobody ready for? Well, y'all just stay in here. And, uh, and we that are ready will go over. Would you stand right now? And let's pray. Father, tonight how thankful we are for the things that we have heard and the spirit that we've felt. Hand. You know it, help me with it. Oh, you must hold to his hand, to God's unchanging hand. You must hold to his hand, to God's unchanging hand. You must build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging changing hand oh trust in him who will not leave you mm, forgot the word may bring yeah by earthly friends forsaken oh still more closely to him cling oh you must hold to his hand to god's unchanging hand you must hold to his hand to god's unchanging hand you must build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. Oh, you must build your hopes on things eternal and 
hold to God's unchanging hand. Praise God. Second Kings 4 and 1. If my wife hadn't have been so long-winded, maybe. I am telling you, if you ever hear that Sister McMullen has started preaching, that is a rumor. She will be able to eat tonight and sleep and uh, just, uh. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditors come to take unto him my two sons to be bondsmen. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, and borrow not a few. Skipping down to the seventh verse, Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay thy debt, and live. Go, Sell, pay, and live. And everybody say, praise the Lord. You may be seated. Praise the Lord, Sister June. Good to see you. Amen. I, Sister, brother, 30 minutes? All right, 30 minutes. Or less. If, uh, if it don't come, it'll be less. Amen. I went one place and it had a, Little sign up there, and they said, "If you don't hit all in 20 minutes, quit drilling." <coughs> okay, I got the point. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I don't know her name, and I know this is a Valentine's kind of a doings here today, and we're talking about the family. Uh, it's amazing how that uh, God made the family long, long, long before He made the church. Uh, the, the, the church was in view when he made the family. I, I mentioned to our church the other day that, that God seemed to tarry and wait until he got man in his proper position. The Bible said that there was no, no man to till the ground. And so there was no downpour. And there was no rain. There was only a little mist that came up from and watered the earth. As soon as God got the man where he ought to be, God sent a rain. The need was there, the blessings was there, but it seemed to be that God waited on the man. And it seems to be that way now. But we have in our story a, a vicious attack on a family. It is a demonic attack trying to destroy a family. And uh, if, you, if you look at it very careful, you will understand that, that this attack, uh, it left some things dead, and then it incarcerated other things. It left them in bondage. And what it really did, it left them between a dead past and a very uncertain future. She came to church. Oh, thank God for church. 
Sometimes you talk about some nightmares and chills and fever for me to think where I'd be if God hadn't put a church in my life with a preacher. I tell them that I live down the road where, where none of you would come see me, but, but God came down that road one day. And he put me, not only did he fill me with the Holy Ghost, but he gave me a church and he gave me a pastor. Without either one of them, I probably would not have made it. But he put me in a strong church with a strong man of God. Praise God. And so our little story this evening opens up with a direct attack of the devil, perhaps on a family. And what it does, it, it leaves them between a dead past and an unfunctional future. They are living between two thieves, as it were. Yesterday and tomorrow. And they didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go. So she did what all of us do when you get in a bind, you go to church. I go to church when things are good, and I go to church when things are bad. I go to church when I can pay my bills, and I go to church when I can almost pay my bills. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that silly spirit to come on me, but I'm feeling one. I've got, I got to tend to business here. And so she goes to church, and the man of God says, What? Through the Spirit of the Lord said, what, what do you need? What, what do you have left? And I'm hurrying to get them a little message. When you, your life is facing a crisis, and when you know that your life demands a change, things cannot question. I don't care how you got in the mess you're in if you're in a mess. But he says, what I want to know is how are we going to get out of here? I don't care what you've wasted or what you've spent. What I want to know is what do you have left? And if I were to give this little message a title tonight, I would just tell you that what's left is what really counts. To the men and the women that's in this room today, I would tell you that what you have left is what matters here tonight. Not our clumsiness, not our awkwardness, not our waywardness, not our erratic kind of living, but what's left. And he said, do you have anything left in your home? And she's like some of us, maybe not here, but over where I come from. We've got a few pessimists, negative folks. I've got two of them here. Uh-oh, they're going to tell that tomorrow. You know, negative, negative folks don't, don't look at the, what they talk about, what we, we've lost. We magnify what could have been. We magnify where we should be. We can magnify what's lost. But it's hard to magnify what's left. We minimize what we have left. She said, thy servant handmaid hath nothing. And then she said, 
save a pot of oil. I got a little bit of oil left. And the Holy Ghost zeroed in on that and said, that's enough. And the man of God said, that's enough. And one translation said, I got just enough left for one fresh anointing. I got enough left for one more anointing. And I'm going to tell this congregation this evening that there's enough left in your life and in your home and in your family and even in your love to start a new life. There is enough left for a new beginning. Said that's all you need is what's left. Come to tell somebody the devil would magnify what you've lost. Magnify the mistakes of the past. That is the devil talking to you. On this night, one service, this wonderful Saturday afternoon where the preacher showed up late, I'm telling you there's enough here to get a brand new start and a brand new beginning in your life. Somebody said, man, this is a banquet. What are you talking about? I'm telling you, this was a real rags-to-riches story in one service. I mean, this is from poverty to plenty. Go, sell, pay, live. I might tell some of us, go, pay, sell, live, laugh. I'm about ten years behind on laughing. Some of you are a lot further behind than I am. <coughs> I can just tell. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, I, 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 I keep things so heavy and, and wound down and tightened down. And I said, you know, this is just not right. This is not right. Go, sell, pay, live, and laugh. That's uh, Mac Mullen added that on there said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't, I don't have anything left. I don't have anything left to give. We don't spend it all. You don't know the mistake. You don't know where I come from. The Holy Ghost said, I'm not interested in where you are. I'm not interested in your condition. I'm not interested in your finance. I'm not interested in even in your health. What I'm wanting to know, there's something left in your life. And that's what I want tonight. And when you put that on the altar, he says, that is enough left. I, I tell you, brethren, when you run with negative folks, negative folks, everything's bad. But it's getting worse. Don't even think to think this thing's bottomed out. Oh, no. Don't even think the church has had its worst days. Oh, God, no. It is going to get bad before he comes back. I don't know where you've been. I, uh, I had an uncle, bless his heart, I might have said this before, but the seatbelts came out. When you run with negative folks now, it's always bad. You, this thing may burn down tonight, but it may not. You've got to understand that too. He told me one time when the seatbelts came out, he said, are you going to wear those seatbelts? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, well, boy, not me. I wouldn't put one of those seatbelts on for love and money. I said, is that right? He said, now you think about that. And to be honest with you, I've been thinking about it ever since. He said, what? What? Now listen, if you're going down the road and you got one of those seatbelts on, 
and you have a wreck and your car goes off the road and it goes upside down in a canal full of water and you break both arms. He said, now, now what are you going to do? I said, man, I don't know. He said, you need to think about that. And I'm old enough to forgot it, but I can be going down the road, Brother Green, I can see a canal over there. Let's <laughs> see. I don't know what I'm going to do if, if this thing goes over and both my arms. And every once in a while in a service like this, I think about that. When you run with negative people, you need somebody to pull you up. Because all you can think about is what you left and what you lost and how bad it is. I'm telling you, there's a little pot of oil in Porter tonight. And somebody needs to open your eyes and understand that it's not over here. It's not over for me and my family. It's not over for my family and my home. If there's just a little bit of anointing, that's all I need. All I need is enough desire to come to church. That's all I need. When I get here, I don't need to feel a whole lot. I just need a little bit. God, you run with these negative folks. I had to be full grown before I found out there's five wise virgins. Some of you don't know it yet. I got up one night, I said, I'm going to preach on five wise virgins. They looked at each other. They never heard that. False doctrine going around here. All they ever heard was five foolish. Beloved, do the math. You got ten and five is foolish? Come on now. Come on now. Somebody's going to make it. I know a third of the angels fell, but two out for every one stayed in his place. And every time you feel one of those filthy devils coming around, hey, you got two. I can whoop him real quick. Well, I don't, this is not banquet talk, but I feel it coming on. Amen. He said, now, now I'm going to tell you, brother, when you deal with, with this crowd that <clears throat> sometimes I, I deal with, you, you just got to understand that everything is small, and God might could bless us, but it'd be a small thing if he did. You don't know, you don't know how far we are. You take God a week to get us. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, he can do it. He said, I tell you what, I'm going to tell you what to do. You, you go home and you get some pots. Now, let me give you a clue. Don't borrow just a few. God wants to do a big thing, starting from this little old kind of a meeting here tonight. <laughs> when you've got folks that's already planned your funeral, Uh, and they got the hearse and the flowers and the hole dug. But I like to live. I just like to stand up and say, call the whole thing off. Kick the flowers in the hole. 
Tell the pallbearers to get out of there and send the hearse home and just stand up and live. I'm talking to somebody tonight. You need to stand up and say, you know what? I'm not going to die. I am going to live. <coughs> yeah, I'm going to live and I'm going to flourish. And God wants to do something big here. I can see some of you give me that Baptist nod every once in a while. Don't believe a word of it, but he said, I'm going to tell you what. You go home and you get all the, brother, if she knew what I knew now. See, I've read the whole story. She would have borrowed tubs. She would have borrowed cisterns. You talk about a money-making thing. Wagons and seal the bottom of it. I mean, as long as she found something to pour it. He said, now I'm going to tell you, you can't borrow a few. I read over there in another prophet. He said, you, you go make me a cake. And she said, I, I can't. I don't. Brother, when you, when you run with this crowd, she said, I'm going to go get two sticks and build a fire. I thought, what a fire. Two stick fire. <laughs> Not even going to build a big fire. All right. I, I, I can tell it's about time to go. The steak's about ready. <coughs> hey, there's enough left here tonight. I got a word for somebody that's not even moved a muscle. There's enough left at your house to live and flourish and laugh. <laughs> Somebody said, you know, brother, really, we, we, you know God can't do much at our house because we can't afford to be, we can't afford too many blessings. We can't afford to be rich. <coughs> there's something about the voice and there's something about the tongue and there's something about the language that if something could start in this room right now, that I am a blessed man, I am God's man, I am God's woman, I am healed. There's something about the tongue. It's the most powerful uh, system in your whole body. It has control over everything else. I am blessed. I've been down, but I'm coming up. You can't keep a good man down. You can't keep a good woman down. You can't keep a good church down. <coughs> and there's enough left in the poorest, poorest of circumstances tonight. The poorest of circumstances tonight to do a great thing. Let me say this and I'll sit down. God had to do another miracle, Brother Green. He had to eliminate a time element. This woman had need if he'd have said, now, now, sister, here's some olive berries. Go plant them. Next year, they're going to come up. Five years from now, you're going to get some olives. You save that juice. Five years down the road, you're going to, because that's what time would do. 
He said, I'll tell you what you do. You close that door, and God will do in an afternoon. In the chamber of your house, what it would take almost a lifetime to do elsewhere. Somebody said, I need a miracle in this room tonight. I'm telling you, God can eliminate your time element. <coughs> I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the attorney says. I don't care what the judge says. God can eliminate the time tonight in your miracle. And by the time you get here in the morning... When it comes time to sing, somebody starts running these aisles. What happened? I gave that little bit to him last night. We said we're going to put our home back together. We're going to put our love back together. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to be a strong home. Let's stand. Thank you for what's left here, folks. Come on. Somebody lift your hands and thank God for what's left.